Okay, today it's our absolute pleasure to welcome a giant of the Finnish game, standing at almost two metres tall, a winner of Finnish Footballer of the Year for three consecutive years, 2016, 17 and 18, and an integral part of the European Championship qualifying squad. Welcome to the Finnish Football Show, Hukaja number one, Lukas Raditski. Thank you very much. What's actually, what's uh, Hukaja in, in English? Eagle Owl. Eagle Owl. Eagle Owl, yeah, that's true, that's true. But yeah, it's uh, nice of you to mention. Uh, I hope Temu Puki is listening. We always have a little argument about who's going to win more of this Player of the Year trophy. So I'm still leading 3 2. Cup you, Temu. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. So, um, yeah, firstly, Lucas, as I said, thanks very much for joining us. We know that your schedule is pretty crazy right now. So, um, after the uh, stoppage we had previously with Corona, so we really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. No worries. I'm glad we found a day before before the Christmas. So uh, it was actually maybe the only possible day. Uh, now from this uh, from Thursday on, we keep on playing every third day. So this Tuesday was perfect, and uh, like, yeah, it's been it's been uh, hectic. Uh, not to exaggerate. I mean, uh, yeah, I almost uh, opened my eyes, and I don't know in which city I'm I'm waking up. So it's uh, <laughs> it's been it's been wild. It's been wild. So uh, we're just going to have a have a chat with you, talk through your career a little bit, and you can um, hopefully tell us a few stories. So if we start if we start at the beginning, you were born in Bratislava, Slovakia, in in 1989. But by the age of one, you were already living in Finland after your father accepted a move to play volleyball there. I think. Um, how can I ask you how you feel about your Slovak heritage? And despite playing for Finland through your entire youth career, was was there any contact from the Slovak national team with a, a view to poaching you away for the uh, Sokoli? Uh, I don't, yeah, okay, where to start? I mean, let's, uh, let's rewind back uh, uh, to 1990 when we, like you already shortly explained, we went to, uh, oh, my dad was at time a volleyball player. I, haven't, I still haven't seen any evidence if he was good or not, if he was playing volleyball. Or if he just moved to Finland uh, to, uh, I mean, he got a good job as a mechanic. Uh, these days, uh, Soviet Union was breaking and uh, Czechoslovakia, of course, as well, uh, became uh, an uh, independent land. Uh, but uh, still, the level of quality of uh, the life was uh, maybe not so high than in Finland. So they they decided to move to Finland, and uh, which probably was a big, big move. I mean, I, I respect them a lot for, for that. I mean, uh, not knowing the language. Uh, in these times, no mobile phones, nothing. Leaving your leaving your heritage and family in Slovakia was a must have been a big change, and uh, yeah, and uh, ended up in Turku, the watch which I find the capital of Finland. Uh, I know the Helsinki people they hate it, but uh, it's uh, yeah, and there the story started. And uh, to answer the second question, no, I mean Slovaks Slovaks never actually contacted me. I think uh, I remember a game. Uh, under 18 or under 19 when we played against them. But, uh, yeah, they they raised the name up and uh, asked a bit uh, about uh, about the Slovak uh, roots, but uh, there was no contact uh, never made from the joining the A national team. And I, I would have said, I would have declined, of course. I, I feel I uh, feel myself as a Finnish footballer and uh, I'm proud of that, yeah. Well, that's it. We're, we're pleased as well that you, uh, they, they didn't try and poach you away and that you, you, you stayed... You stayed with us in Finland. So, as you said, you um, you got you grew up in Turku, and 
and you started your career at TPS. You, um, we, saw, we saw some video from the uh, Hukia Instagram recently where you decide, described Turku as Kaikien Kaunein, which, um, <laughs> which translates as the most beautiful. Um, so yeah, how, how was it growing up in Turku and those first years in TPS? Oh, it was like a perfect oasis to uh, to to develop and uh, go for go for the professionalism. I mean, uh, uh, at this time the the academy was set up as well. Uh, there came some uh, uh, funds and money to TPS in the form of uh, I think it was a Finn bank. Seppo Sairanen invested a lot. They they wanted to bring up uh, youth players, and uh, I actually I remember. <laughs> Yeah, this brings me to a story. I mean, I, I think uh, I made the first contract when I turned 15. It was a third-year third year contract, a, th- a three-year three year contract, and uh, I made 100 euro a month, and I felt like the king of the school. I was buying everybody sneakers and Pepsi, and uh, it was a funny <laughs> story. Yeah, and, uh, but no, I mean, the, the environment for, for beca- becoming a football professional was, uh, was optimal at the time, and I think... Uh, I don't know how many, but uh, Riku Riski, for example, was one of one of the guys who uh, joined the program as well, and uh, uh, then a couple of a uh, couple of players who still play in the Finnish league. So uh, no, it's uh, it brought us some good uh, good youth talent here. Yeah. You TPS fan? Sorry, now you you talked simultaneously. I didn't hear. Sorry, man. Are you a TPS fan? Yes, of course I am. Uh, black and white for life. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, don't tell him who our last interview was with. Yeah, we recently um, made an interview with the Armada Turku fan group from from Inter, so um, it was it was pretty interesting. Uh, no, but I'm I'm glad there's uh, there's some football culture in uh, in Finland as well, and even I mean Turku Turku derby is one of the not most hated but most vibrant derbies. I'm I mean of course uh, with the corona restrictions. Uh, the atmosphere wasn't maybe that as it was in in the last couple of years, but still, uh, there were some nice games this year. Yeah, these these groups are really important for the Finnish football culture. So, you know, we um, yeah, it was it was really privileged to speak to those guys. But as you said, Lucas, it's Turku was a, a really a really cool place to grow up and nurturing young footballers. And um, both your brothers went on to play professional football as well. I think they've they've played in TPS and. Uh, so it must have it must have been um, and Mark actually actually watches one of your brother now at SU Corps, but it must have been kind of crazy growing up in your house with three football crazy brothers. Like, was it just the other two popping shots at you? You were always put to the goal. Or? Yeah, not, I mean, not even football crazy, sports crazy. We used to we used to play everything. I mean, there was um, windows breaking, ping pong. Uh, Bats breaking everything. There, I mean, uh, our mother has uh, suffered uh, through so much uh, uh, bruises and uh, cry, uh, cry, uh, and uh, laughter, uh, laughter, and everything. I mean, it was uh, it was crazy times. And uh, but yeah, it's mostly mostly turned out to be like that. That when we went to play some football, I was in the goal, and uh, they were shooting from different angles, and uh, I was uh, maybe uh, distributing long balls to them. They were taking it uh, on and dribbling, and then came to shoot. And yeah, you could do. I mean. Being three, being three uh, people, you could actually do a small, small kind of individual training, and that was uh, maybe ended up giving us uh, some advantage to becoming a football family. Yeah. I have to have to say that I I was a few years ago gutted when 
Mate got injured so badly and left Sainioki. And, you know, it was good to see, to see him, particularly him, recover from that and get back to playing. And then when I saw that he'd re-signed this year, I had just had a small lump in my throat thinking, come on, now let's get back and, and get there. So, um, yeah, good, good to have him back in the team and, and getting the recognition, I think, from the coaches this year for, uh, for performances as well. I think he played a good season, yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, he's probably been the most unlucky one What in terms of injuries. Uh, I've actually, I don't know how, of course, being a goalkeeper, maybe you avoid the biggest risk uh, of getting uh, injured from the duels and unlucky situations. But yeah, I mean, he's uh, gone through a lot. And uh, I don't know, maybe if one strength uh, we, we Hradeckis have, we're not strong, we're not limber, we're not fast or anything. But uh, between the ears, I think we are a pretty strong, strong uh, family. So... <laughs> Uh, I think his mental mental part played a lot when he uh, had to fight his way, way back, and uh, I'm glad he's uh, he's doing better now. And we'll see what the next year brings. Yeah. So in um, I think it was January 2009, you you decided to leave your brothers behind and, and move to Denmark, and you signed for Esberg. How was it to leave home, and and how was it finding your feet in a in a new country with a a different language. I mean, obviously, a Nordic nation. Did that go some way to help you settle, or how did you find that moving to Denmark? That helped actually a lot. I mean, being a, like, like you mentioned, all the Nordic countries and even Germany are are a lot alike. Uh, everything works, and uh, there are a lot of uh, helpful people uh, that were around. And but uh, of course, the start was a bit bumpy. Uh, <laughs> Mildly, to put it mildly, I mean, uh, there were some phone calls between my mother and me, how long to boil eggs, what to do, how to do that, how to wash the clothes. And uh, the classic uh, getting, getting uh, grown up uh, stories. But uh, no, it was, a, it was a fun way to, to develop as a, as, a, as, a, as a guy and as a, as a football player as well. And uh, it turned out to be, of course, uh, a risk. I had to, I mean, back in the, back in the day, the reason I moved was... Uh, Yuka Lehtovara, uh, mostly, he, he, was, uh, he was playing fantastically for TPS, so I had to pull the trigger, so to say, and uh, leave TPS uh, to the unknown. And um, yeah, I mean, the first two years I was developing in, in peace and uh, took my time. And uh, uh, actually, we ended up uh, being relegated after two years. And then, uh, in the, I mean, uh, the result of that was that the older guy, Lars Winde, who I'm still in contact with, uh, became a goalkeeper coach and I became the first goalkeeper. And uh, that was the luck I needed. And after that, of course, uh, staying healthy has played a big part uh, for me being the number one almost in all of the clubs I've been after that. So uh, I'm grateful yeah, that it went this way yeah. and lucky as well a bit. Mm. So it was, you, you hadn't been in um, Esberg too long and... Uh, and you caught the eye of Manchester United and were invited to England to, uh, to train with them for, for a couple of weeks with, with a view to signing with them. Can you tell us about your, your feelings at that time and, and what led you to reject Manchester United ultimately? Were, was it because you realised that unlike in Denmark and Finland and Germany, in England everything doesn't just work? First of all, I have no idea how they scouted me because at this time I didn't even play that much. I played a couple of first team games, but uh, I think it was the plan of Esbjerg to try to sell me. And uh, at the same time, I felt uh, I was no way, in no way ready for, for, a, for a transfer like this, for a club like this. And uh, 
I've already had some trials prior to Esbjerg uh, when I was uh, uh, still a young player, academy aged. Uh, I was in Stoke City as well a couple of times, but I, I don't know something about the academy way and uh, the way British clubs were doing it. Didn't I, I didn't like the I didn't like the atmosphere. I mean, uh, nothing. There's no. In, in no, I don't mean it in a bad way, but uh, it wasn't something I I pictured myself doing, and uh, so I ended up uh, rejecting uh, rejecting the offer. Yeah, uh, which probably would have been fourth, fifth, sixth goalkeeper, and uh, being uh, loaned out every half a year to somewhere uh, some clubs that I've never even heard of. Yeah. Yeah. So ultimately, it was it was the correct decision, as you as you say, but um, so. You, as you say, you you were in Esberg for for a couple of years, and then for for whatever reason, you you guys were unable to agree on a contract or what have you, and and you eventually signed for Super League rivals Brunby. You, um, for anyone who's watched you play for your clubs, or especially for us as Finland fans, it's it's clear to see that you have um, a certain affinity with with the fans. So, how was the reaction of the Esberg fans when you moved to a rival team? Yeah, there was some controversy about the move, which was uh, mainly uh, mainly my own fault. I mean, uh, I think we ended up. I still hadn't uh, hadn't extended my contract in uh, in the spring of. Uh, I mean, my contract was expiring this summer, and uh, we had a we had a semi-final clash against Brentby. Uh I think it was April or May, and uh, yeah, we beat them uh, after after, of course. Uh, the Lukas Radetzky way. I, I had a couple of beers in the dressing room, and uh, then they uh, invited me up to the EF Esbjerg Cafe and the, the stadium. I was spoke to speak to the fans, and uh, yeah, with adrenaline and uh, some alcohol already in my blood, I, I said uh, I can't imagine playing for any other Danish team than Esbjerg in uh, in the future. And uh, yeah, ended up shooting myself in the ankle, so to say, uh, a Finnish uh, a Finnish uh, way to say it, and. Uh, no, but you learn from this kind of stuff. Of course, uh, there were some hateful comments on social media, and uh, but I mean, uh, you the only way to develop your media skills is to make mistakes. And uh, I learned the lesson, and uh, yeah, ended up signing with, signing with Brenby, which uh, which was also a good uh, way up to ladder, and uh, ended up bringing me in the maybe in the bigger eyes uh, for the for the foreign tre- foreign teams to look at a bigger club than Esbjerg coming. Mark wanted to ask you. Mark Hayton wanted to ask you about um, your time in in Bromby when uh, you found yourself um, joined by Temu Pukki. Um, you uh, you really you both really hit the ground running in in Bromby and Temu was scoring pretty much one in one in two. So how was it to have your international teammate join you in Denmark? And did you guys were you guys just like spending all of your time together off the pitch? Uh, yeah, first of all, I'm still waiting for my agent's fee from the from the transfer. I, I don't know where it is, but uh, uh, well, yeah, I mean, they of course, uh, Temo was not uh, getting his uh, uh, minutes or a luck through in Celtic at the time, and uh, they asked me what kind of a guy he is, what kind of player, and I of course uh, uh, tried to talk to. I, di- I didn't need to talk Burnby over, but uh, I was uh, complimenting him uh, that he has hidden potential, and uh, I think he found himself in Burnby. Uh, he had the right uh, right coaches, and uh, also after after I left, uh, it was the right decision for him to come and uh, take the little trampoline way to go one step uh, f- behind to go two steps forward. And uh, the way he's playing now is uh, 
just proves that uh, at the time it was the right decision. And yeah, outside the pitch, uh, we were best mates, of course. Uh, he was practically living at my place because uh, this guy, I don't know if he still can boil an egg. Uh, uh, I don't know. I mean, he's uh, the only, only, he's, he's really, really good at being a dad at the moment. But uh, I'm, I hope, I hope to hell that. Uh, the wife is making the food uh, for the little one and not Temo. But uh, yeah, I mean, fantastic guy. And we had a lot of, lot, of, uh, lot of good times. Rich, you've raised your hand. Uh, yeah, I've got to go and get my little one. So uh, okay. Lumi okay. is calling. So uh, okay. Luke, nice to talk to you again. Take care. Yeah. See you later, Rich. Yes, so uh, getting, back on, getting back on track, your, your performances for Bromberg sparked interest in Germany and in 2005, you signed for Eintracht Frankfurt. Your first season in Germany saw Eintracht flirt with relegation and um, the coach who had signed you resigned from the club only eight months after you had joined. But Nico Kovac replaced Armin Vey and ultimately the club stayed in the league after a 2-1 aggregate win in the relegation playoff games. That first season in Germany really was a um, baptism of fire for you. And did you feel the considerable leap in standard of the league after your time in Denmark going to the Bundesliga? Yeah, to be completely honest, I mean, uh, I always thought and I still find uh, getting, getting somewhere to the biggest leagues is the biggest, the biggest challenge. I mean, once uh, the difference between, uh, uh, I can only talk about uh, the goalkeeping part, but uh, I haven't found it that big as they all describe me. The, the practical stuff of getting the transfer through and uh, Having the having the small amount of luck uh, that uh, the goalkeeper market needs as a as a domino effect basically at the time of course uh, they sold Kevin Trapp who's uh, now actually back in Frankfurt as well uh, they sold him to Paris and uh, yeah they ended up needing a goalkeeper and uh, just uh, with uh, through a couple of uh, couple of random random events I uh, I got to talk with a Danish agent and. Uh, they together with my dad uh, uh, made the pulled the pulled the move through and uh, yeah it was a it was a fantastic moment for me too I mean I was in Denmark watching Bundesliga every every week and uh, telling myself I mean uh, I I could I could make it there I mean the, the goalkeepers weren't that uh, that much better and uh, I thought I mean uh, I hoped uh, and I dreamed to get a chance there and uh, yeah it was it was a fantastic move and I'm I'm. Happy that uh, everything went through that easily. Yeah. Well, yeah, you you you've proved that you've proved that you were you were good enough for the Bundesliga. But sorry, Mark, did you want to say something? I was going to say you must have been more busy though. I mean, that first season in Frankfurt. I mean, they you, like that <laughs> good team. A lot of respect for them, but but they were under the cosh most weeks. Like you must have had a full ninety minutes. Yeah, that was partly be, uh, partly good because I could show my uh, show my skills and. Uh, I don't know if you look at the statistics. Probably that's that's been, like you say, my busiest season of them all. And uh, <laughs> like Keke mentioned, bapti- like kind of a baptism uh, uh, to prove uh, prove the world and prove myself that I'm good enough. And uh, it was a uh, yeah. I mean, playing the relegation battles. I'm telling you, I, I had a couple of uh, brown lines in my in my uh, underpants. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so. Uh... Your second season, you were you were almost ever present, missing only one game, and I, I think um, being substituted in one other. The team made significant progress under Kovac and were rewarded with an 11th place Bundesliga finish. But 
It was the German Cup that produced some memorable games with Eintracht given a sneak preview of what was to come by finishing runners-up to Borussia Dortmund. Could you feel the, the progress that the team was making under Kovac at this time and, and also your, your own progress? Of course, uh, uh, the, the way we played in the first season was, uh, was a bit uh, old school before Niko Kovac uh, came and he brought the he brought the brought the brought the style of the play a bit more to the contemporary direction and uh, yeah and uh, you could see you could see his uh, see his mark in the second season and uh, he did a fantastic job with us and uh, yeah I mean uh, I was laughing because I the memorable thing you said I mean almost almost ever present but uh, one of my highlight moments of the career as well uh, third minute the uh, red card I think it's still one of the fastest one received by a goalkeeper that was that was why why I wasn't ever present and uh, <laughs> that I only missed one game was because uh, from the resulting free kick they scored the goal and in Germany you have this uh, rule that you, uh, you don't get punished twice or three times I don't know but uh, yeah. that was why I didn't get a two two uh, <laughs> game suspension yeah but if, uh, if you got sent off in the third minute does that not count as missing two games really <laughs> Statistically, no, but I count it. Yeah, <laughs> missing it too. But imagine the feeling you of uh, you travel to Leipzig. Uh, uh, you're buzzing. You wanna wanna get another result. And I think it was the first or second game after year break, uh, after the Christmas break. And uh, then the third minute, of course, uh, the walk of shame to the dressing room. And uh, okay, I go to the shower, and you already hear them uh, pouring all. And yeah, it was some long minutes. I, I didn't even watch the game. I stayed in the dressing room. Uh, but the um, the following season, you guys went uh, went one better, ending a thirty year wait for Eintracht fans when you you won the German Cup. This season, you you were ever present in the league and cup that year, and and conceded only two goals in the cup run, uh, going on to win Bundesliga goalie of the year. What are your memories from that season and um, and the day of the final? Did you um, traditionally in England, you know, the FA Cup gets filled up with beer and. Everybody's is that the same in the Germany? Uh, the cup gets filled with beer. I drank a couple of zips, uh, sips uh, from the cup as well, yeah, and uh, from other bottles as well. I mean, that was, uh, of course, a highlight, a highlight way to to end my uh, end my path in Frankfurt. I mean, uh, we were underdogs. Uh, Bayern had won the championship once again, and uh, yeah, I mean, having my yeah, I mean. Oh, also on the first year, uh, I think uh, we got all our all our ner uh, nervousness uh, away at the first, uh, second year's final uh, against Dortmund. Uh, wasn't our best game, and Dortmund deserved to win. But uh, after that, I think we got used to the atmosphere, how it works uh, throughout this uh, cup final weekend, and uh, we played a hell of a game. And uh, of course, uh, beating beating Bayern happens maybe once uh, or ten ten percent of the time. So we managed to get it in the right. Uh, right moment and ending a, ending a drought of uh, 30 years like you said and uh, yeah fantastic memories and uh, still have a lot of good friends in Frankfurt and uh, I uh, value my time a lot there and uh, it's uh, yeah it's, uh, it's one of the one of the clubs of course that will stay remain in my in my heart forever as well so those those impressive performances for the Adler saw you um, secure a move to buy Leverkusen for the 2018-19 season um, you, you already touched on it there, but was it difficult to leave Frankfurt after what you guys had built there? And how did Leverkusen convince you that they were the right club for you? 
I think in all the all the all the fantasticness of the story, how it ended and everything uh, as well. I mean, uh, yeah, it kind of was uh, difficult, but I think still it was the easiest move I've uh, I've made. I mean, uh, I knew I was uh, at the time. Uh, good enough for Bundesliga and I wanted to try something new here, uh, play maybe more uh, more often in Europe, uh, if it was Champions League or Europa League, which has also happened uh, uh, gratefully. I mean, uh, now this uh, last year we fucked up uh, not qualifying to the Champions League, but uh, still it's, it's brought another, another, another type of uh, everyday life here. You play every, four, every third or fourth game of the day. Uh, also, under normal circumstances, of course, during this Corona, it was it's become even more uh, more crazy. But uh, no, I mean, uh, yeah, it's uh, it was another perfectly uh, timed uh, and planned move again, and uh, yeah, it needed to be uh, another, like I mentioned, a domino effect, uh, moving Bernd uh, Leno to our Arsenal, which uh, even made it possible. Yeah. So, um, I mean, you mentioned the first time, like the first move to Frankfurt was like a bit of a pain in the backside to get it like all agreed. Did it, did, was the second one when you shifted to Leverkusen just quick, like easy peasy or, or any, any, I don't know, hiccups there? No, because basically, I mean, of course, uh, uh, Leverkusen still, I don't know how it's, I think the draw, draught of, uh, 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 cups or uh, prizes or uh, championships is even longer than in Frankfurt. So <laughs> I almost came, I almost came here like a celebrated hero, winning something. So uh, really, yeah. I mean, it's when I moved from Denmark to Frankfurt, nobody knew me. So I've I've managed yeah. to get a reputation here with my bad jokes about beer and uh, <laughs> being uh, being close to the fans. So it was really a really positive way they uh, welcomed me here, and uh, the move was uh, without any hiccups. It was uh, it was really easy. So you, you mentioned, Lucas, about the um, playing in the Champions League and Europa League and you're doing that more regularly now with Leverkusen. I don't know, um, we've been talking already for quite a while and we haven't yet mentioned that amazing double save you made on, on Sunday in the, uh, in the league there from um, the Schalke game, the, the, the penalty and, and then you, you somehow managed to get yourself back up and, and save the rebound as well. So you were, you're really doing some impressive things there in goal for Leverkusen. I mean, like... Did you, is it, you just guessing or you know where that guy's going to go or how does that play out? Oh, I mean, I'm, I'm of course glad that I managed to pull, a, pull, a, pull one of those again. I mean, I, it's a pretty good statistic this year with the penalties. I, yeah. I'm even surprised myself. Uh, but uh, it's, I need to cover up uh, the mistakes. I mean, the mistakes I've made this year has been more, more harsh than any, in, uh, any other year, I think. It's, uh, it's been a bit too much in my taste. I mean, uh, I value myself being a, being a very uh, safe, safe goalkeeper, uh, yeah. keeping my level, and uh, this year that's the only that's the only disappointing thing I want to I want to correct coming to the new year. But uh, yeah, at the same time, getting these double saves, of course, uh, they help uh, uh, self confidence, and uh, of course, they I, the save on Sunday saved us a couple of uh, uncomfortable minutes at the end. Uh, uh, Everybody knows how Schalke is doing. We didn't want to be the first team they get points against, and uh, yeah, it was a it was a really at the end uh, convincing win. And uh, I'm, the way it looks this season, I mean, I can only I'm positively surprised how well we're doing actually. We um, it was it was quite an interesting game for for us Finland fans, not only for yourself, but we uh, we've been keeping an eye on young Malik Thior, who is playing in um, Schalke also. So. Um, 
Yes, he, he obviously didn't have the greatest game on Sunday, but I think for such a, such a young guy, he's been doing quite well in, in Schalke despite the position of the team. So everybody's keeping one eye on him to see how he gets on. And they should. I mean, I think he uh, I, I, I changed a couple of words with him after the game, of course, wished him good luck and uh, told him uh, just, just to focus on himself. I mean, getting minutes in a club like Schalke is not, uh, not something to take, uh, take for granted. And uh, no, I mean, he seems like a down-to-earth down guy and uh, I hope he stays healthy. So I, I, next time we play against him, I'm going to try to over-speak over him more to joining uh, Finland instead of... Uh, What's the other chance? Uh, Germany, huh? Thanks, Germany. Uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, so we need uh, we need uh, players like him, and I think uh, the way we're playing uh, in the national team and Hukad at the moment, uh, uh, also for these talents, is more attractive uh, to join uh, to join uh, the red and the, the uh, white and white and blue stripe uh, shirt. So uh, we'll see, we'll see. I hope he stays healthy and keeps developing. So yeah, it's perfect time for us to to come now onto the Finnish national team. Um, as we mentioned before at the start, you, you played all the way through the youth level at international level. And um, I think you joined your, your first full squad in 2010. This was um, a time when the legend Jussi Jaskalainen was, was still in the squad. Uh, how, did, how did you fit in as a young guy? And did you learn anything from the goalkeepers like Jussi who were around at this time? Just a sec for this. When we jumped into uh, the hookah, I need a hookah mask to answer a couple okay. of questions. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's coming. I like, I, I, I love the fact that it's like to hand, like that it's in the corner of the room, like it's it's yes. always about two meters away. Like it's, it's on the dinner table. It's on the dinner table. Yes. Perfect. <laughs> 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 hey, one question: uh, wearing this one. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, in the start, uh, I think I, I uh, joined the team too early. I mean, uh, I think it was a bit of a. It's it's a little bit it's a little bit muffled. We can't really hear you. No. Ah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I liked it. Martin Trust the producer to spoil it. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's an audio podcast. It's important if people can hear. Sorry to spoil everyone's fun. People visually imagine me wearing a mask right now. That's it. Yeah. I, I took a picture. I'll and, share that and, on the uh, and nothing the else. Notes. Just the mask and nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you? without shirt and uh, no underpants or anything. Just making oh, a casual dear. podcast. Oh dear, it's not that kind of podcast. Right. Anyway, back to the hooker yet <laughs> chat. No, like I was mentioning, it was a bit uh, at the start. I think uh, too big of a bite to take. I mean, uh, I. Uh, I was playing first uh, or second league in uh, in Esbjerg when I joined or uh, played my first games in Hochkayat and uh, I wasn't completely happy with my performances and uh, I ended up also losing losing the spot to Nicky Mampa uh, deservedly. I mean, uh, I wasn't angry or anything about that and uh, I think I needed even the break uh, to keep uh, keep focusing on my on my uh, development uh, in the club level. But uh, after that. Uh, after Mixus, uh, Mixus Yolukusi trials and uh, that space, uh, I uh, uh, received the number one spot back. And uh, since then, I, I felt uh, the most comfortable playing playing for this team. I'm, we've always had a fantastic uh, team spirit, and uh, it's more like of a because the reason probably being uh, most players play abroad in Finland, and they don't, they they ne never had this. Uh, this uh, Finnish way of uh, Finnish way of 
changing room uh, changing room dialogues and uh, and this is this is the one we have uh, joking in our own language uh, in Hukkayat and uh, I think that's uh, that's brought us to a level that uh, or understanding and harmony you can achieve even on the best club level yeah so you you've you've hinted on it already there Luke but around 2015 you you became first choice goalie for Hukia and yeah, as as you said there about the team spirit, um, I just want to ask you directly how first of all how how does it feel for you personally to represent the country of of Finland when you when you're playing when you you pull on that jersey and you see the the the, the blue cross on on your chest there how how I mean are you are you fully pumped how how is the feeling? Oh, yeah, proud and pumped. I mean, uh, I what makes me most proud probably. Uh, seeing, uh, I mean, I, I don't think, uh, of course, the away games have been, been, been more harder. But uh, I haven't seen my family miss a game in Finland, and uh, seeing uh, seeing my uh, mom and dad singing the Finnish national anthem. I mean, uh, that's a, that's a weird thing to see, but uh, uh, at the same time, a really cool thing to see. And uh, I think it's uh, uh, being a uh, being a uh, mahan mutaya. What is that in, the, in, in immigrant English? immigrant? Yes. Yeah. Well done. Being an immigrant uh, in a, in a, such a fantastic country who treated us so well, uh, I think it's a bit touching to see them uh, see them sing the song, uh, sing the anthems, and everything. And uh, no, I mean that's what that's what makes me most proud. And I hope I, I still uh, manage to keep going. Although I have a good goalkeeper kicking my ass in in uh, Jesse Oronen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yes, he's good. He's he's been doing well as well. He, he's he's moved he's moved around a lot recently, and he's getting more competitive games. So, are you worried? Uh, yeah, slowly, I'm getting worried. I mean, I I, <laughs> I, I managed to uh, managed to keep a pretty high level on national team so far. So uh, I hope uh, I don't know. I, I, <laughs> I think Eke mentioned uh, uh, UC Askelin and uh, more more uh, even more anti Niemi. I mean, I think he mm-hmm. I don't know. He must be slowly tactical tactical thinking to to move me away from the first goalkeeper spot because he wants to re- maintain his uh, record. Record appearances as a goalkeeper. I mean, I I think I'm getting pretty close to him. <laughs> yeah, uh, we um, we spoke to we spoke to Ampti recently. Um, he was also very gracious enough to give him some of his give us some of his time. And uh, yeah, he he speaks very highly of you, Luke. So yeah. you, you've got nothing to worry about there. Okay, that's good. Then uh, I need to give him a couple of couple of uh, packs of beer to. Uh, <laughs> Get the transaction being more smoother. I, I know uh, he's a bit of a drinker as well. I, I, I don't actually know a goalkeeper who's an absolute. Piece. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think we'll uh, we'll get that. Uh, Auntie will take it uh, without problems. And we're learning so, how we can encourage more people to come on the show in future. We just need to, you know, stock up and uh, exactly. exactly. That's uh, as simple that's as that. <laughs> talking. So about, you... I, need, I need a second one. Sorry, I need to get another beer. But you can yeah. keep talking. I can hear you. Go for it, yeah. So once you had established yourself as number one, um, a few tough campaigns followed. Uh, we all remember the era of um, of Mixu when we played the likes of Northern Ireland and Hungary and, and struggled to pick up results. There was also the, the ill-fated Hans Bakke area, which was um, a hard time for us as fans. As I mentioned previously, you seem to have a, a, strong, a strong bond and affinity with the fans, especially those of us who support Finland at but was it was it difficult to play for Hukia at this time, or or was the feeling inside the camp completely different to the feeling we had as supporters? 
It wasn't difficult to play. It was difficult that we couldn't deliver. I mean, uh, it's not like it's not like the players are giving more and uh, are better than they were at the time. Uh, it's something yeah. you cannot even explain. I mean, it was just things that uh, didn't work out. We didn't get the full uh, full potential uh, out there on the pitch, and uh, but it was still uh, mentally, I think, uh, very important phases to go through. I mean, the the most guys of this team as well, the, the main guys used to be in the national team also through the uh, Mixu and Hans Bakke eras and uh, uh, feeling this disappointment, feeling this uh, disgust almost uh, of our results. We wanted to wanted to do better and uh, yeah, I mean, getting a guy like uh, Rive Kanerva who basically knows uh, and nurtures all the players uh, in a way, they uh, they get the maximum potential out of them. Ended up being the right decision, and uh, look at us now. I mean, uh, I think, I mean, yesterday nobody probably wanted us to to be in their group. Uh, I mean, ended up it ended up being a disgusting group, but uh, uh, still, I think uh, not not many people are thinking, not many countries are taking us so lightly anymore. Yeah. France are obviously panicking to get Finland in their group after the after the recent defeat there in, in Paris. So that's six easy points for us already. Yeah, I've already counted them. I mean, uh, <laughs> for, I think ironically, yeah, actually double ironically, you, it, it doesn't help us beating them now because now they take us seriously <laughs> and it moved us to number pod number three and they brought Bosnia from number four. So it's... Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I had this feeling before that uh, we've had some luck in the past couple of uh, yeah. draws and campaigns. But uh, yeah, I mean, now we're in a in a place where we can uh, surprise and beat everybody at home. And uh, who knows what happens away? I mean, uh, it's uh, I've never beat the Kazakhstan. I, <laughs> it's it's uh, it's like a territory. Uh, I don't know how it looks there. I heard it's like a bit of a Dubai like in all Astana. I, but uh, all I know is Borat songs. Very popular over there. <laughs> My sister number four, a prostitute. So we Keke, just just thinking back to the France victory uh, last month, the uh, the Finland goalkeeper had a good game in that match. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, playing, playing. There. Are, I also had a couple of brown lines in my in my under in my boxes at, at, after that game as well. I mean, uh, not conceding any goals against the world champions. Uh, I was expecting to to be on the bench for a couple of games. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I wanted to talk about you. You mentioned the team spirit, look, Dan. I, I wanted to talk about the um, the Nations League um, quickly. So the Nations League campaign really really saw Finland start to start to click in this revolution, and it was an amazing time. We, we at the Finnish Football Show, we have a feeling that the Finland team was really benefiting for playing um, opposition at, at a similar level rather than some maybe, cra- obviously we just had the amazing result against France, but some crazy friendlies against some big nations. We, we had the feeling that the Nations League was, was a, really, a, really good, a really good thing for, for Finland, those competitive games. Um, how was the feeling in the in the squad at this time? And did you guys also feel that the Nations League being a competitive competition was helping the team to grow? 
similar. I mean, uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I know it's being criticized uh, these days by the, but I think only only from the big nations. I mean, uh, I think yeah. it's pretty pretty priceless uh, to allow yourself uh, to dream of be beating a, uh, winning a group. Uh, put yourself in the shoes of Faroe Islands or even Finland a couple of years yeah. ago. That we could uh, we could get some results and uh, uh, through a couple of uh, uh, coincidences you could even qualify through through Nations League and uh, this uh, that it that it allowed to do us uh, allowed uh, allowed us to dream. I mean, I think it uh, also at the same time uh, managed to, to to make us play better and uh, yeah, of course, getting the results at the same time in the process was. Uh, not unhelpful either and uh, yeah i mean i think it was a crucial part of this development we've taken that we we managed to start so well in the nation league uh, in the c league so i mean we um i traveled to a couple of away games in that campaign and um, the especially the feeling in estonia at the end of that game was was something else um us guys, we, we obviously watch in Finland all the time, and when we when we manage to come away with a good result, the uh, one of the one of the things that we're certain to see is yourself grabbing the megaphone from the from the Pohjoiskare and leading the leading the team in a chorus of Oi on with the guys and um, and the girls in there in the in the Pohjoiskare. How is how is the relationship between the squad the squad and and the fans and how important is that to you? Obviously, it is important, but if you just want to talk to us about that. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think I started doing it in, in honor of uh, Perpa Hetemai. He, he was <laughs> one of the first guys who started grabbing the megaphone. And uh, I think he was always the kind of mm. uh, the guy I looked up to in, in, in terms of, uh, of course, professionalism and how he fired up everybody in the team. He was a really, really good example and a gentleman outside the pitch. And, uh, he was basically the glue that was holding the team together, and uh, yeah, I, I'm not saying I try. I I've, I tried to overtake it. Uh, the, this role in the national team, we have a we have a lot of guys who uh, who are down to earth, and I think like yeah, like everybody knows, the, we respect each other. Doesn't matter who plays where and which club, and uh, we treat ourselves uh, the same way. And uh, yeah, at the same time, we uh, we want to use the energy from the fans and. Uh, it, togetherness is uh, is uh, phenomenal at the moment in Finland. I mean, the home games in Tampere in the fast qualifying campaign. I I think I've I, I still get shivers when I think about the Bosnia game or uh, yeah. Greece game and uh, game in Turku, my favorite one <laughs> <laughs> uh, against Armenia. I mean, uh, and uh, as a cherry on the on the top of the cake, uh, Liechtenstein, of course. I mean, I think we managed to. Uh, light, lighten up or fire up the heel loss, heel loss that was uh, that was uh, bubbling in the in the Finnish football culture, and uh, I think uh, people are. Uh, I think since since the qualifying campaign, I think uh, a lot of people uh, have become, if they haven't been already, Hukkaat fans. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a, a really important time for for Finnish football and football culture in Finland. That that you guys doing so well is is just going to have such a massive impact on on the country and the young boys and girls are going to be getting interested in, in football. So thank you for that. Really. It's, um, it's, it's an amazing achievement. So after that, after that nation's league campaign, you touched on it there. We had the, uh, the campaign to qualify for the European championships, which 
as I said, they will go down as a seminal moment in Finnish football history. Um, it was just, did you guys look at that, at that draw with, I mean, there was Italy, Bosnia, Herzegovina, uh, Greece, and then Armenia and Liechtenstein. Did you guys look at that, that draw and think, okay, this is, this is the one we we can do this. Um, there was, uh, you, you yourself had a, had a phenomenal campaign. I think you, um, the, the, the squad conceded only eight goals. The, the only, the only real blip was the, the, the four one um, the four one loss to uh, to Bosnia and then there was a further two away goals in Greece but those don't really count Jesse Jordan let those in and we know that you guys were all <laughs> so hungover for that game so it didn't really matter but but did you did you feel that that this was the time that you could make that qualification? Actually, actually not even I mean secretly maybe yes but I mean I remember I remember actually tweeting then saying in some interview about the last campaign where we drew uh, with Mixu back in the day with uh, Romania and Northern Ireland that this is the year, this is the campaign we've needed. Uh, so maybe we're a bit more self-confident in public there and uh, we spared ourselves that this time and uh, actually tried to focus on the, uh, on the point and uh, on, the, on, the, on the Asia, on the thing and uh, yeah, it's... Uh, Started in the most uh, most difficult way, of course. Uh, 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 playing against Italy, who uh, didn't qualify to the last Euros or uh, World Cup, I can't remember now. But I think it was a tough tough one to crack. And uh, losing two 0 in Udine, I remember actually us. Uh, yeah, I mean, like always, having a couple of beers after the game, talking that uh, okay, we go we go into Yerevan. Uh, we're going to turn it around. It's one of my fondest memories, actually. We, after the game, you cannot sleep uh, well anyway. I mean, we mm. played cards and uh, I think Mika Nurmala was there as well with us, uh, uh, joking around. And uh, yeah, I think we ended up going to bed four o'clock or half five in the morning and <laughs> ended up probably being a bit drunk as well, to be honest. Uh, I know it's a public conversation and you can use it, but and now you can smile about it since it went well, but uh, really... Really mature performance in Yerevan, and I think that started the spark, which uh, burst into flames uh, with the with the win against Bosnia. And after that, I think then people, I think I remember in Liechtenstein after the game, or even before the game. Uh, back back then, we still had double double rooms. I was with uh, Puki, of course. Mm. Um, <laughs> one thing I don't miss at all: he's doing Yiddish four times a day and snoring like a. Like a water buffalo, but uh, <laughs> still, we we looked ourselves in the eyes, and I remember this is this is this is. I think we're going to make it this year, and actually making it, it was. Uh, it's a nice moment to look back to. Yeah. Well, I, I, mean, I, I was I was sorry. There you go. I was in that away game in um, in Liechtenstein, and after after the game there, we stayed behind the, in the stadium for like I think it was like forty five minutes. It was. It was raining pretty badly outside, so we just stayed stayed in the stadium singing singing our songs. It was it was a really great feeling, and and then obviously we had the um, I was also in Helsinki for the the home Liechtenstein game, which ultimately saw us qualify. And um, yeah, the the feeling of running to that pitch after the game it was it was it was such a such an immense wonderful feeling. There's um, I was just trying to ask. Um, you are Piranin, actually. There's some some video of him. There's some video of him trying to hold the fans back. 
and then like two seconds later he's giving some guys a cuddle I don't know if he, <laughs> he thought that everybody was just gonna gonna stop but it's pretty that was pretty funny but can you um can you try and explain to us your your feelings on that night and yeah uh are you um you've still got your owl mask there we've seen that already you know that Palo Lito are selling those now I, I think you should get some commission for for everyone right. they sell Good point, actually. Good point. I would basically generated the the interest. So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I have to have a, have a chat with them. Yeah, but yeah, uh, the Liechtenstein game. Uh, prior to it, of course, uh, I don't know if you guys know the Pasila sequence about the Liechtenstein game. No, uh, uh, okay, but uh, yeah, yeah. Then uh, I think it was the day before. Uh, Pasila is like a cartoon for the for the listeners uh, in Finland. Uh, they make uh, they make some make some humor out of normal situations, and uh, uh, in this in this scene, they uh, they picture the same actual. I, I don't I don't know when it was made, but it was like ten or fifteen years before produced. And uh, in this uh, in this production, uh, Finland has a chance to qualify for first time against Liechtenstein. Uh, I remember it now. Yeah, yeah, they needed to win and. Uh, then uh, the it kind of goes to ground because uh, Palolito they wanted to make make the win so sure that they sent some prostitutes to the hotel of Liechtenstein, but they mixed up the hotels, so they, the prostitutes ended up uh, coming to the Finnish hotel, and Finland ended up losing the game. And Rive he showed us this sequence before the game. Uh, uh, I don't know if it was count of psychology or what, but uh, I it's. It, uh, just proves how strong the team was. Uh, that uh, nobody really gave. We were, had a laugh about it, and uh, but uh, we went to motivate your your teammates. But uh, apparently, the right one. It was um, yeah. It was it, the, it was such an amazing night, and the the um, and the photos that that you can see now. There's Paulus Arroyori with some tissue from his nose. He has a nosebleed. There's uh, next to Yole Poyan Paolo with his his nice leather jacket, and then. You in the front with your owl mask. And as I said, you are Piranen saying, get back, get back. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it was, it was seriously, it was a, it was a fantastic, fantastic night. So, um, okay. I'm just sharing a little something on the, oh, yeah, on the yeah, screen can now. Oh, can you? Yeah, here we go. So yeah, those, those are, that are watching the video. <laughs> there's our boy Keke getting right, right in there. Up close yeah, yeah. and personal with the captain. Taking care of the captain, exactly. Broch, mate. Yeah, yeah. Heavy, heavy leg, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> anyway, enough of that. Yeah, so it, yeah, it was I think, fun. Uh, one, one more comment about Pirinen. I mean, if he, if he uh, is searching for a job, I think he has a future as a bouncer. If he was uh, <laughs> holding off the guys well. He wouldn't last in uh -huh. Turku. That, that technique no, wouldn't no. work in Turku. Oh, he can stay in Tampere. <laughs> this guy is talking too much anyway. <laughs> uh, so um, the revolution marches on and we're all looking forward to finally getting to Euro 2020 I think it's still called that um, we're waiting with, uh, so we're, we're waiting to see how, how we get on over there um, you'll be visiting familiar territory with our, our first game in Denmark uh, how, do, how do you feel about our opponents at, at the Euros and, and of course what are, your, what are your hopes for the future of Finnish football yeah, first of all, I hope it's even going to be Copenhagen. I don't know what UEFA is planning uh, with uh, with the epidemic. If it's still a 
doesn't leave us uh, come next year, come next summer. So uh, yeah, I hope I personally hope I, I we can we can play in Copenhagen. Uh, a lot of history there from a lot of our a lot, a lot of our players. Not even me, Paulo Zaraiuritemu, Tim Spar. A lot of players have played there. So I think it's a way to show show. Uh, to, to a country that has played a big part in our in our careers, that uh, which kind of players we've become, and uh, at the same time, of course, of course, beating the Danes. I mean, uh, getting getting a good good start to this campaign would uh, would mean a lot to to us, to the fans, and uh, yeah, I'm, I can't I can't wait enough uh, to to June thirteenth uh, how it's going to look, and uh, hopefully we'll get some spectators because without that, it just uh, it wouldn't would, wouldn't feel the same. Yeah, we hope so too. Yeah, I've, I've personally got my tickets um, and my my fan ID visa to Russia sorted and yeah, had to pack all those away when this damn corona came along. But we hope that we can find a way to join you guys in, in, in the stadium. Uh, as you say, we've waited for so long, so we just need to be there with you. But um, as, I, as I said previous, look, uh, you, you and your teammates have inspired a, a whole new generation of Finnish footballers and and Finnish football fans, and you should be forever, forever proud of that. The, um, as I said, the, the feeling I personally had on that November night will stay with me forever. And your um, your passion for football and for playing for Finland is is clear to see and clear to hear in the, in your in your 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 voice here today. So, I guess all that remains for me to say is um, good luck for the future, Lukke, and with both um, the works Elf and uh, and Hukia. And um, yeah, Kiitos, thanks very much for joining us on the, the Finnish football show. Yeah, no, Kiitos. It's, it's, no, it's me who, who's thanking. I appreciate it. It was a lot. Uh, it was a, I don't know what I would have done this past hour, but it was a hell of a bunch more entertaining than I would have uh, would have been doing. So uh, You know, if you've ever got a free hour again, you just you know, drop it to WhatsApp, <laughs> you know what I mean? Say, I've got the beers that ready. Was, that, was a wrong, that was the wrong way to negotiate. Thank God my father is doing my agency work. Yeah. <laughs> But, um, yeah, I mean, uh, I just want to hand over to the guys, Mark and Mark. Have you got any final points that you want to raise to, or speak to look at? Nah, just thanks, man. Thanks very much. It's been the last couple of years have been fantastic watching Finland, and, and it's, it's always good to have a safe pair of hands. No, I hope it's not going to stay to two years or three years. I mean, we want to keep going, and uh, who knows until which uh, which level we can keep it there. And maybe you can put in a good word with with Temu for us and uh, see if we can get him to, to join us in 2021. That would be awesome. I know, four times a day. We've got to ask about that. I mean, yeah. that's, you know, that's, that's, that's something <laughs> wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, ask, yeah, that's ask, the hot question it. right ask, yeah, yeah, ask about it. And ask about the snoring. And uh, uh, I don't know. And, I, the, I, and I the really terrible cooking. Yeah, that as well. I mean, that's a lot of faults, this guy. But as long as he's scoring goals for us. Okay, so Keke, when you approach him, don't don't open with those because that's not the way to, to hook a, an, our next guest. But we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll keep them in our back pocket. Well, well, I don't know if his, uh, if his English is good enough. Uh, ah, it is. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to him. I'll talk to him and we'll see. Cool stuff. So, Thank, thanks a lot for joining us. Appreciate it. Yes. Cheers, Thank fella. Boys. Yes. Kiitos, Luke. Kiitos. Moro, moro.